3: Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. The Monday after the weekend it was, but Monday provides a lot of intrigue as we talk about the cricket test down in Christchurch. Man, is it evenly poised? Who's just got their noses in front? Well, Simon Doole will tell us. Uh, Very shortly he's uh, been watching it. Uh, Justin Marshall, an intriguing, intriguing weekend too of Rugby Union. Uh, The comeback from all time, from uh, the Hurricanes of course and the Blues on the other side of it, uh, really disappointed uh, and I'm sure that they are really licking their wounds going into next week. Certainly, certainly the epitome of the one that got away. Uh, Just after 10 o'clock, Logan and I will have a chat about uh, Alexander Ovechkin's stance Against Now, Ale- Alexander Ovechkin is one, of, uh, probably the most high-profile high uh, ice hockey player in the world. He's Russian. Uh, he's making a stance against uh, Putin's war, of course. And what effect uh, that will have on uh, the NHL if all the Russian players uh, got on board with it? Uh, how big a, a dent would it have in the quality of that competition and others around the sporting world? Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis uh, will be uh, on the panel this morning. Uh, we'll talk about uh, RTS's debut. What did you make of that? Uh, we'll have uh, a Love Racing update from uh, Taina Walters. Vossie will be on uh, at uh, about 5 past 11 this morning. Um, and I'll tell you what, we have got a show uh, which is just complete of review and we'll give you live updates because the last hour of our show will be the first hour of the fourth day of the Test match down in Christchurch.
0: Sport is our religion.
4: And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, it was a pass mark for RTS, the new SBW at the weekend. A pretty promising, uh, I think, but a fail, a definite fail for the Blues as a whole. Definite fail for them. And uh, just on the side there, Roger Tuvasashek, he's going to have to learn to live with the Sonny Bill Williams type mantle. That's the kind of attraction uh, he's got uh, towards the game and uh, what people want to know what he's up to. It's as simple as that. His private life uh, could well become very public. Uh, that is the way we do things in this New Zealand. That's our kind of theater. And there's some great theater too. Between the coaches' boxes captured on Sky TV, Leon McDonald, a docile man by nature, was anything but. And his offside of Tom Coventry, the same, appearing transfixed, gazing out the window at the remnants of the original snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. How did they manage to bomb a top-class start to the season so readily? Meanwhile, across the divide, Jason Holland and Chris Gibbs for just lotto-winning-like smiles at the one that came back after being well and truly away. And by the way, how did Artie Savia manage to have the foresight to be out there in the tram lines for that opportunity and that leg drive to bust through the Blues' last line? Spectacular comeback. Staggering choke. Amazing. The two of us Shek, was busy industrious but you know still a work on I think that's fair to say everyone agrees on that I wonder how many Hurricanes supporters actually missed that comeback having switched off the telly with about 10 minutes to go interesting meanwhile in Christchurch boy oh boy do we have a test match on down there beautifully poised to be honest South Africa just a nudge ahead because as they say they have the runs on the board a tenfold improvement from the pro tiers Chalk and cheese from the pathetic nature of their first up effort. Where's it come from? Or well, where were they last week? New Zealand have to be batting by lunch today, otherwise, the chase will probably be too significant. No more than 300, history says. My forecast is that they will be, and chasing around 260 to win. And don't forget the historical carrot never beaten South Africa in a Test Series, never. The worst and most common phrase comes to the fore again the next hour is the most important in the whole test match. True that, if it isn't, surely the next one will be. 907 here on SENZ, and I'm a uh, great uh, pleasure to be joined by Simon Dole. We've rung run him twice in the last uh, couple of, well, the last five or six days because this test match has become quite intriguing. I'm not quite sure actually how much of it you've watched, Dole. He's 73 at Hamilton and then a 75 at Teekee, so I'm not sure how much cricket have you been watching. <laughs>
2: Morning, Smithy. Happy birthday to you, mate. Um, Thank I've watched a little bit. <laughs> I've watched a little bit, I could say, but uh, the golf has taken over.
4: <laughs> great, absolute great, deserves to as well. Hey, right right now, as it sits, 211 lead, five wickets in hand. Who do you think are the favourites, right as we speak?
2: I'd say South Africa are the favourites. Uh, I just heard your you chat there. You know, runs on the board. Um, New Zealand will need, I think, those five wickets for about 45, 50 runs. If they can do that, mm-hmm. then it probably goes back to even Stevens, um, you know, a chase of around 250, 260, the surface is still pretty good, but I think Maharaj comes into play a little bit more, doesn't he, on that last day. So, um, yeah, I think South Africa just got their noses in front in, uh, in that test match at the minute.
4: Just say Maharaj did spin them to victory. Is that red face material for our selection panel? Not having a spinner in the whole yeah. group?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, uh, you just, again, we go back to... I know Daryl Mitchell hasn't bowled a lot, but um, you, you've got Mitchell, you've got De Grandhomme, and then you've got four other seamers. It just doesn't make any sense for, for mine not to have uh, a spin bowling option in there, And even if that option is um, Rutchen Ravindra. So, uh, it, it it is... So, I think it would be red face stuff if, if he does. He did it in Wellington, didn't he? I think at the Basin Reserve, going back to their last tour. So, you know, he's a chance again.
4: Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing, Dolly, is we... I mean, I feel sure had we won the toss, we would have bowled anyway. So there you go. So South Africa were always going to bat. In their mind, they were going to bat. And they also, uh, right from the outset, picked Maharaj. Uh, We never, ever considered that option leading into this test match. Days out from that option. Uh, So uh, I I just can't quite get my head around uh, the, the thinking between the two camps.
2: Yeah, I'm with you as well. And having said that, I also talked to uh, talked to Stephen Fleming prior to the test series, and oh, prior to the test match actually. And he said this one will be nothing like the one in the first test. He said we've just had the driest, you know, windiest sort of weather down here. He said they can't they can't produce another one like uh, like the first test. And leading up to that first test, they had quite a bit of rain, so it was always going to be that way leading into the test match. And the other thing is that they had. What an extra, three, an extra two days, two and a half days to, mm. to fly someone in, to get someone into the squad and to get that, um, you know, to get that situation rectified and, and still didn't do it.
4: The other question I've got to ask you, and you only have to look at the bowling figures, you don't have to look at a lot of cricket, you might have noticed a, a subtle change in what's happened to him, but what has happened to Kyle Jamison? He gets uh, number 10 11 in the first innings, hasn't looked like getting a wicket really in the second innings, had a, an average return in the first test. What about this guy who this time last year was the hottest thing since the proverbial slice bread?
2: Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? Second-year blues, second-season blues. Um, we, we all know about them. We know that people have seen a lot more of them now. Um, they know what he's trying to do. They know what he tries to do. And you know, I always said that that money that he got at the IPL auction was, was going to be you know, life-changing in one respect from a money, monetary point of view, but also it puts an enormous amount of pressure on, on any person. It doesn't matter who you are or what stage of your career you're at. It's an enormous amount of pressure and I'm not sure how well he's coped with it. He, he certainly didn't cope with it at the time. Um, he's still clearly got incredible ability, but there is something going on there that um, you know, you, you'd know like to think that he or the bowling coach are, are doing something to rectify what uh, what he's missing at the moment, but it's just it's not there. He's not bowling consistently well enough. He's not hitting that line, that length that we saw him do, you know, in those first sort of seven or eight test matches. And he's not really getting any of that swing that we saw him get either. So there's something that's slightly different maybe in the action. Um, I haven't seen enough of it, but uh, there's obviously something that's not quite
1: right there.
4: Right, so Daryl Mitchell uh, was the the backbone, I think, uh, fair to say, of that, that recovery with the bat. But Colin de Grandhomme of course 129 out, out not out simply uh, amazing booked his ticket for England of course um, and uh, this is a, this is quite a cool story for me really because I think we'd written him off almost in, in Red Bull cricket
2: under pressure wasn't he under enormous amount of pressure yeah. I, I was with um, you know I was with you and with a lot of others so I didn't think his time in the in the Red Bull game um, you know had much longer to go at all so, yeah, look, it's, uh, he, he's that type of player, though, that he can turn a game around quite quickly because of the way he plays, and he's still obviously got enough to offer with the ball, and that's just, you know, another one of those reasons that with Mitchell and de Grandon, you have to be able to play a spinner, and you know if he's coming back into some form with the bat, which he's showing now, if he can offer you that 10 to 15 overs a day with the ball, then he, he is a very, very valuable um, component of that side, so i pleased for him. Um, you know, we both know he doesn't say a lot, uh, Colin. He's, he, he's a very quiet chap, but he's a, he's a really well-liked guy in the dressing room. And, um, and he's a, you know, he's a super bloke uh, away from the game as well. So I, I'm pleased for him because, um, you know, when you get written off, it's not easy. And um, he certainly proved his worth when, when New Zealand were in trouble.
4: So Mitchell, 60, uh, that's the kind of innings I think we, we want him to play if he's going to be a regular test player. It uh, goes a long way for me, we, even with Williamson coming back in to, to him slotting in there somewhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, I mean, if, if you throw Williamson back in there and drop everyone down one and then bring Rutch and Ravindra in as well and just play two two seamers, you know, even if it's Bolt and uh, Southey or Southie and uh, Wagner or Wagner and Bolt or, or anything along those lines, if De Grondon becomes your third seamer and Mitchell's your fourth and then you've got a spin bowling option as well, I mean, those sort of things sort of really come into play, and it means New Zealand can bat very, very deep and also have five, you know, five genuine bowling options. So uh, those, that's something that New Zealand might look to do a little bit more um, going through to that, that England series.
4: Mm, okay, let's uh, just change tack a wee bit. Uh, some interesting results uh, in the, the uh, women's cricket at the weekend. New Zealand losing to Pakistan, which I, I found quite an, amazing. Uh, now, they've lost to India the last game, lost to Pakistan, they do not want this trend to continue.
2: No, not at all. It's, um, you know There's been so much talk about this World Cup and, and New Zealand's chance on home soil and, and these sort of things. I mean, I, I don't buy into it. I, New Zealand are by no means favourites. I, I think they would be... If I was running a book smithy, mm-hmm. they'd be about fourth, fourth maybe even fifth favourites to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, just with their record in big tournaments and the record... Of key players in big tournaments is is pretty ordinary. When you look at the World Cup performances against top tier nations of Sophie Devine and Susie Bates in particular with the bat, they, they, their numbers are awful. Um, and so, you know, those are the two key players for mine that really have to step up to the plate in big games. And when I'm talking big games, I'm talking games against India, Australia, and England. Um, and their records in World Cups are, are, are atrocious. To, to you know, to say the least. So they are the ones that need to be stepping up and leading this team. Um, they need to bounce back from these losses. It's it's not going to be easy, and as you say, that trend needs to go in the other direction. Um, and because the pressure is going to be on them uh, at home from a lot of people, and uh, you know, it's it's never easy when you when you're under that sort of pressure and you're expected to win certain games. And you know, it just shows you as well. I think South Africa have come a long way in women's cricket. Uh, Pakistan have certainly come a long way. Uh, India, England, Australia are always going to be very good. So the, the competition is out there, and it's a lot better than um, you know, that it certainly was even four years ago.
4: Yeah, I had not realised that South Africa, uh, apart from Australia, has the best uh, record in women's cricket since the last World Cup. No other team has yep. a better record apart from Australia. Mm.
2: Yeah, they, they're a good side. Um, they've got some very, very talented players. Um, you know, at the top of the order... Um, you are the likes of Laura um, You Just wait till you see her cover drives and, and then the way she plays. I think she's a seriously good player. Um, whether you go with Marizan Kapp and, and Sune Luce and, um, you know, Dane Fenechek, the skipper, they, they've just got a, a real raft of talent. And the good thing about South Africa, because they haven't had an enormous amount of cricket at home, they apply their trade around the world in these leagues. A lot of these girls have played Big Bash. They played the 100 last year. And uh, they, they're very good at adapting to overseas conditions so that's one of the real uh, bonuses from, from a South African point of view
4: Dolly on do, the domestic front, uh, it was the last of the white ball finals at the weekend um, and, and our great mate uh, Sid Cumming this side, this Otago Sparks side had lost 23 games on the trot going into the season and now they are the Halliburton Johnston Shield winners one of the great stories
2: it is one of the great stories, and it's fantastic. And, you know, we know how passionate Craig is uh, about his coaching and about um, about cricket in general. Um, he's had some nervous times in the last week or so as well, and he? watching his young fella make his debut. So, um, look, he's done a great job with him, and it's a terrific story. I, I don't want to sort of indulge too much in, in my own stuff, Smitty, but I remember a, a season and a half with Northern Districts that we lost every game. We, we lost every game in the 50-over in the comp, and we lost the first three games of... Of the next year, I think. So we went 13 in a row. And that felt pretty awful. I'd hate to think what 22 feels like. And uh, yeah, so they, they bounced back beautifully. They obviously, got a good setup down there, and, and um, you know, a really good structure for the for the woman to come through. And um, I'm really, really pleased for them.
4: Yeah, so am I. absolutely. I think it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. But uh, it won't get the uh, the press it deserves. But however, uh, Auckland uh, get a bit of press because. Absolutely, the aces absolutely dominated the Stags. Very one-sided.
2: Yeah, disappointing, wasn't it? I think to uh, you know to post such a s- small score and get bowled out inside of fifty overs. I think um, you know that'll be really disappointing from a from a Stags' point of view. Auckland are a good side, aren't they? And uh, they, they, they prove that. And when you can boast those uh, international players, the likes of Chapman and Phillips um, with the bat in particular, um, they they're just. Uh, they are a good side, but I think um, CD will be very, very disappointed with that performance.
4: Yeah, I think you're right, Dolly. So, uh, as we said, uh, as I said in the old sermon earlier, the first hour this morning, the most crucial of the test match. <laughs> uh, they all are, aren't they?
5: <laughs>
2: they all are, yeah. and we say it so often. Um, yeah, look, it is. It, it, South Africa can get through that first half hour, 40 minutes without losing a wicket, put a few runs on the board. New Zealand will start to feel under pressure. Anything above 250, I think New Zealand will just start to feel that you know, that the game is probably slipping towards South Africa's favour. Um, so New Zealand need two, probably two wickets inside that first half hour, 40 minutes, and, and then try and roll South Africa over for another 45, 50 runs maximum if, if, if they get through that first half hour, 40 minutes, and start to put a few runs on the board. Then New Zealand also have to get a little bit defensive with their fields, and so the single options and things start to open up a bit more as well. So yeah, it's going to be intriguing watching. I might uh, I might have to watch this morning instead
4: of going to golf. uh I, I hold of hold the phone here. Don't you do anything too drastic? Um, I, I'm just going <laughs> to say two two dollars, two dollars eleven. A lazy ten, a lazy ten on the Kiwis at two eleven.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd get a lazy ten on now, and if uh, if they don't pick up a wicket in the first half hour, forty minutes, then um, get on South Africa. You might get, you might might be able to double yeah. it up.
4: Okay, so the other question, of course, is what time does the helicopter arrive to pick you up to take you to Tata Tada, tada Et? I guess it is today, is it? Uh,
2: this week it will be, but uh, not 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 today, Smitty. Not today. Hey, and just a quick word. Okay. I mean, a couple of blokes you and I know very well as well, Smitty. We lost a couple of bloody a couple of great men over uh, the last few yeah. days, and thoughts uh, out to those who know uh, Inger and, and Joel Ellie who I had a lot to do with at, at Counties and. Right. You would have uh, had a bit to do with in the early days as well. So uh, thoughts go out to those who uh, who are mourning the losses of those two uh, two wonderful men.
4: Absolutely, Dooley. Uh, the reflections continue for those uh, particular guys, and uh, so will uh, the sadness um, at, at such tender ages—what, uh, forty, uh, forty-eight, and fifty-eight, oh, fifty-two? Or so, just ridiculous, yeah. ridiculously young. Yeah. So. Um, we, we, as you say, uh, we both have had uh, rugby dealings with both of them, and are fantastic men. So, very, very sad. Thanks for your reflections this morning, Dooley. Uh, we'll catch you uh, later in the week in person, and I am so looking forward to that, brother.
2: Absolutely, Smithy. Thank you very much. Have a great birthday.
4: Yeah, cheers. Thank you, Simon Dooley, folks, uh, with his uh, look back um, and uh, look forward actually to what he expects might happen today in Christchurch. And yeah, uh, I don't see New Zealand getting much past three hundred. That would be me. If they did, that would be uh, almost historic. So um, South Africa, if they get that, they'll defend that with their lives and it'll be an intriguing, it is an intriguing test match uh, on day four. Uh, It is 9.21 here on SENZ. So what do you think of the test match situation? Double eight, double three, your thoughts about that? Uh, Where do you think we stand? What do you think has to happen in this first hour or so? Uh, Where do you stand on that? Um, The RTS review, it continues over the weekend. Uh, the choke by the Blues I I can't find another word uh, apart from that, they did choke they lost a hell of an advantage Uh, and uh, the comeback by the Hurricanes if you're a Hurricanes fan so there's plenty of subjects there and if you want to reflect continue to reflect on Vaingatui Gamala or Joel Evadiri feel free to do so on double eight double three.
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
4: And it's 9.27 here on SENZ and something very, very special happened uh, in the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg this morning in Florida. Uh, We're talking IndyCar here. Our very own Scott McLaughlin had his first ever uh, podium finish in terms of finishing first. It was a great performance. He has won um, his first ever IndyCar race. Staggering, absolutely staggering, considering he was Rookie of the Year last year uh, and now he wins his first race in his second year. We're going to try and catch up with uh, Greg Murphy just after 10 o'clock uh, to see if we can get some reaction on this because it is an out-of-the-world result from Scott McLaughlin uh, and more for that to come, surely, uh, if we get the opportunity. Um, happy birthday, Smithy. Yeah, thank you very much for all the birthday wishes. So Welcome to Rob's Mob and Winston's Gold Goodies. Uh, that's from Bernie. Uh, absolutely, Jim. I'll probably have a, a tipple at some point. Uh, I'm not surprised South Africa played the way they did, says Chris. This match, they're a quality side. I was more surprised with their performance than the last test match. I too, I'm with you there, Chris. I was very disappointed, built them up. I thought it was going to be uh, perhaps them being the favourites in the series and they just didn't turn up. Uh, Across the board, they couldn't catch, they couldn't bowl, they couldn't bat. You know, too many games of cricket if you can't do any of those three things. So they were just very, very average. They couldn't be that bad again, could they? Well, no, they haven't been. So they've been better and I think that they they are uh, an absolute chance in this test match I really do believe um, you know if, if New Zealand don't dominate the first hour uh, they're chasing it big time the uh, thank you very much cam uh, just wondering who would have uh, you dropped for a spinner to come in without Mitchell and Colin de Gronholm in this match we would have been in massive trouble uh, would you consider Jamison they will be now they will be now Jamison or Wagner Jamison or Wagner um, because de Gronholm if he can uh, he's obviously good enough to stay on the side batting-wise at the moment. When you go to England, uh, his bowling will be very, very valuable in English conditions with a juke ball. Uh, he'll be tough to hone in. So Colin de Gronholm's a given. So therefore, and you do play spinners in England, you do because their pitches are conducive to that. So yeah, New Zealand are going to have to rethink their bowling plan. They always do when they go overseas, but certainly um, there's a lot of uh, revision to go around that particular area. Uh, and, of course, the batting will have to adjust as well with Kane Williamson coming back, hopefully. It's 9.30 here on SENZ. Here's uh, Karen with the latest edition of the news. 9.32 here on SENZ. A busy weekend of rugby, of course, but it was dominated in the early part of it by uh, our finding out about the passing away of Vaingatui Gamala Uh, If that wasn't enough, a little bit later that day, we found out that Joeli Vinderi had also passed away in the United States. Uh, Terrible, terrible news. And for those people that knew them, watched them, uh, quite shattering, really, at their young ages. So uh, I I guess it's quite appropriate we talked to um, Justin Marshall this morning, um, who uh, knows a lot about the history, the legacy of the All Blacks. And these two blokes were very much part of it. uh, And rugby in New Zealand. Uh, Vainga Tuigamala, Inga the Winger, Joeli Vinderi. Uh, morning to you, Justin. Uh, man, you take a deep breath uh, on Friday with that news. Uh, but before rugby even began in this country, you played with uh, Joeli in uh, 1998 and you knew also a lot about Tavai Gamala. Sad day.
1: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, everybody listening in. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, tragic news to hear of the passing of, of Inga the winger uh, and then when things probably... We're feeling pretty uh, sobering uh, to hear the news of the passing also um, on the same day, basically, of Joeli Venderi was devastating, to be fair. Um, I think probably when you, we, when you sort of try and sum it up, it's two players that revolutionised the way that you played on the think you know? We hadn't seen anybody like him probably since BG, and I remember watching him... And his exploits, uh, he wasn't that much older than me, so we didn't cross paths, but we didn't miss each other by, by much. Um, but he, he kind of set the trend, you know, even before Jonah and, and Joelli. You know, many people see Joelli and the speed that he had. He was just lightning quick, but he was over 100 kg, just over 100 kgs as well. He was a big, strong winger, and I think those two guys, in a single breath, really changed the way that players on the wing looked for a start off. And, and then how they could be not only fast, but they could also be full of power. And so, yeah, the thoughts go out and to the family and friends of them and the rugby community in general. Um, it's a massive loss and a big blow uh, to guys that uh, we, we, we will always remember what they did on the rugby field. But more importantly, I think, Smitty, that what they did off the field. That's probably the thing that I think they'll be more remembered for Just two really nice guys, always had big smiles on their faces and they were great ambassadors for rugby of players that loved playing the game with a smile on their face and after the game that smile was there regardless of how the 80 minutes had gone on the field.
4: Justin, uh, we needed some good rugby, perhaps to uh, to not uh, forget about that but to uh, reflect alongside of it and we got a couple of Pretty decent games of, of footy in this country at the weekend. Um, you, you, of course, uh, called that staggering comeback uh, by the Hurricanes uh, over the Blues. Man, um, if ever I've seen two um, different coaches' boxes, I saw it that night. Uh, and <laughs> rare emotion from Leon. Rare emotion from Leon McDonald you don't often see as his side just biffed it away.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it was, uh, you know, contrasting coaching uh, boxes, obviously when the blues went out to I think it was 32 or 34 14 or whatever it was it looked like a lead that the hurricanes couldn't peg back without everything going perfectly right for them and and them completely changing what they'd been doing up up until that point I think it was up until about the 68th minute uh, and so I think that the the elation in the hurricanes um, change uh, in coaching's box reflected the fact that they had done everything right over a period of, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. And then conversely, you saw Macdonald McDonald um, see uh, what was probably an unassailable lead um, caught up to, to be pipped at the post by a point and, and everything that they'd worked hard towards in that game be taken away from them. Uh, Look, like I think he would be bitterly disappointed that they let that slip um, and that they will learn and grow from that. Uh, but... I guess it's probably something that will concern him because if he wants to push this team forward to winning this competition, you know, games like that, good sides don't let that get away from them. The Crusaders, with a lead like that, even though the Hurricanes had a decent dig at them the week before um, in that Mm -hmm. last 10 minutes, wouldn't let that game go. They they would not let a lead like that be caught up and that's where the Blues are going to have to learn about the, the ruthless nature of, of, if you want to be at the top, you've got to be good enough to to win games like that.
4: So I, I look at why that goes. I mean, on the field of play, it, it's it's really up to your leadership group or whatever to, to make good decisions. Mm. And so where did it, where did it get away? I mean, they didn't have uh, you know the, the the captain of the day was Tom Robinson, and without Bowden Barrett at ten, the two guys who you would imagine would be making decisions. So uh, I, I just I just wonder uh, where it went wrong. Justin, I mean, they would have had their hands on the ball during that time. Where, where did it go wrong?
1: Yeah, they did. And look, I, I thought when uh, Peter Feta came into the game, he, he looked good. Uh, he made a couple of really good incisions. Um, he was a threat. Played, they played generally in the right area. Um, they just, uh, I think, probably didn't have the impact, apart from Peter Feta to a degree, off the bench with the players that they injected into the game. I thought Renata was pretty good, but when you think of the players that the Hurricanes um, injected into the game across the board, they all made a big difference. I thought Love, when he came on, was outstanding. I, I thought Richard Judd was a real threat, and, and um, he offered something that the, the Blues defence hadn't seen um, You know, with, with Jamie Booth. So he made a difference. Umanga Jensen made a difference. Um... Young Braden Yosse um, was outstanding, uh, and I don't, I don't really recall too many players having that sort of impact. So that was probably a problem for them. But they, yes, you're right, they did have enough territory and enough ball to just take that game further away from the Hurricanes. A lot of it was to do with the opposition. I thought the Hurricanes and the way that they approached that last 10 minutes. Was simply outstanding. Their ball retention, their tempo. Like Julian Severe, really stepped up. He carried hard from the wing, um, and like to execute what you practice on the training field. And it happens. Like you go along to, to a training, and the coach will go, right, boys. Um, you know, we've just scored a try to get us, you know, seven points um, from a victory, and we, get, we got one kick off to do it. This is what we do, and they did it absolutely to perfection. Like, they did everything that you would want to do on the training field to win that game, including Artie scoring right under the post to make it easy on the kicker. So a bit of it was the Hurricanes being that good to peg that lead back to win by one point, and a little bit of it, I think, was just not enough tempo and energy from the Blues in that last 10 minutes, probably thinking they can't catch us from here, and that hurt them. Mm.
4: Crusaders, uh, they they were worthy winners. Uh, we always knew that uh, the Highlanders would be brave and competitive, uh, but it's the old adage: uh, the class kicks in. And, and uh, it looks to me as if Fergus Burke's doing a pretty good damn job in ten.
1: I thought he was really good the week before as well, and and he continued with with that leadership and and making sure that the team played in the right areas. Um, and when they needed to execute, they did. Again, a, a really uh, another tough one for Tony Brown. Uh, to have to swallow that loss because at the 69th minute they're only 1 point behind um, and then you know execution again uh, and and this is where a team like the crusaders they don't they don't um, they don't have the faults that some of the other teams are having you know the highlanders missed a line out uh, and gifted the ball to the australia uh, to the crusaders i should say and then they have across the board you know Leicester firing and it's had a, another busting start to the season. He was reasonably quiet from his standards that he set the week before, but then he injects himself into the game, goes at two defenders, gets a miraculous um, offload away, sets bridge away, back on the inside, and then, man, if you're ever going to find a guy that wants to find the try line at the moment, give it to Will Jordan, and boom, the game is gone. Just like that. They, they get that little bit of a buffer. They go out to eight points. And then they close the game out. And, and that's the ruthlessness of the Crusaders. And Tony Brown will be sitting in his review this morning. And to be perfectly honest, the Highlanders were very good, Smithy. They, they were very good. Mm-hmm. They hardly put a foot wrong. But the two or three times they gave the ball back to the Crusaders when they shouldn't have and made errors or aimlessly kicked it away, and that was a, a maximum of three times, I reckon, in the game, the Crusaders hurt them. So his review will be bloody tough because in general, they were a very good side on the day and they probably would have beaten most teams in the country.
4: Just going, uh, popping uh, overseas to uh, the Six Nations, France just week after week, mate, week after week, uh, just confirming their favouritism, aren't they, for this World Cup, which is approaching us. Still a long way away, but approaching us.
1: It is. Yeah, they look very good. Man, they look balanced. And I think probably the frightening thing about the way that they're progressing is their inconsistency starting to dissipate. Um, I think they're still capable of having a slightly off day but when they're having a slightly off day they're still managing to win test matches. A big problem for the French is as we all know historically has been their uh, ability to be at an incredible level and, and beat any team in the world and then equally a week later be at a really average level and drop a test match that they shouldn't be losing. That hasn't been the case for quite a while now. Their, their form in, in the Autumn Internationals last year in November was outstanding. They've carried that through to the Six Nations. like sort have been a bit of a banana skin game for them, the one up in Scotland. <laughs> they go from you know, reasonably warm conditions for, for winter in, in France to up into Scotland where it's bloody cold. and Murrayfield's a hard place to play and a Scottish team that's actually playing some pretty good rugby with a, with a good coach under Gregor Townsend. You know some guys, you know some guys like Finn Russell and um, Hogg at the back. That you know they've got some good players in there, but that, that lethargy of of the French wasn't there. They just didn't go there half cocked. They went in there fully firing and made it an easy win on the day. And they are looking really uh, ominous for next year for sure. They're, they're looking great and good to see a good old uh, English and um, Welsh. Derby, the completely contrasting game, which was a bit dull, but I think Eddie Jones will be comforted by having won that game because, uh, you know, they finished fifth in the Six Nations last year, England, and losing to Scotland for the second year on the bounce didn't sit well, so um, off the back of an Italy performance that everyone beats, it was a real game that he needed to win at Twickenham, and they got the job done, he'll be thankful for it.
4: Justin, uh, as always, great to catch up with you, mate, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up in person very shortly. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Much appreciated.
1: You're welcome, Smithy, and uh, happy birthday too, mate. Uh, no doubt you'll be down celebrating at Turks with a cold beer and steak egg and chips tonight. That'll be your treat, mate. <laughs> yeah. But uh, have a good one. Yeah.
4: Well, you might know me better than you think, eh? You reckon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Cheers, brother. Thank you, Uh, Justin Marshall there, folks, with his uh, thoughts, too, on the weekend of rugby and his reflections on the passing of uh, Vaingatui Tuigamala and, of course, Joeli Vinderi. Thanks uh, to Justin for that. Uh, 9.45 here on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Ken has come in and said, "Smithy, disappointed the Blues didn't hang on, but Bowden and Dalton uh, are back next week. Uh, and RTS was sensational. Best 12 in New Zealand already. Uh, Ken, uh, thanks very much for your wishes. Uh, yes, you're right. The cricket, I think, will go into the fifth day. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And it'll be up to New Zealand to take it into the fifth day. Uh, Tony has come in and said, Hi, Smithy, after giving the TMO a serve last week, they were much improved this week by not being overly involved. And many happy returns you, by the way. Are you double dipping yet? Might be. Might be Tony. Might be double dipping. Um, keep those ticks coming in uh, on double eight, double three. Uh, what impressed you over the weekend in the rugby? What do you think is going to happen in the cricket? Who are the key players for us in the cricket? I believe uh, it's the top five now. It is Latham. It is Young. Uh, then Conway. And then Nichols. And then uh, we've got, uh, of course, uh, Mitchell at five. So that's it. They're going to have to do the bulk of this run chase. Don't ask the tail to do too much. Uh, I can say, safely say it has to be done at the top of the order. Uh, we have got a multi coming up before 10 o'clock. Our reflections hopefully on the win of Scott McLaughlin this morning in Florida. Stand, outstanding. Staggeringly uh, great progress he's made uh, in the IndyCar ranks without uh, too much time under his belt. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We'll be back shortly.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on Easy and
6: You got to know when the folder Smithy's malty. Know when to walk away and know when to run.
4: Bet live on your favorite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, at the weekend, uh, what did we have? The Cleveland Cavaliers losing to Detroit Pistons. That was a real turn-up against the odds at $1.40. So uh, that took us uh, out of play there today. uh, New Zealand to beat South Africa. I'm going to say we're going to knock them over early on today. I'm going to say we're going to get those wickets that we need early on. Uh, At $2.11, I think that's uh, not bad value. Uh, Utah Jazz to beat the Phoenix Suns, who are without Chris Paul at the moment. CP3's not playing, so... That dents their chances a little bit in the next month or so. They'll probably lose a few. Uh, so it's seventy-three Utah Jazz. Uh, and the Bangladesh Tigers to beat Afghanistan yet again. They've dominated them pretty much in the series they're playing at the moment. Now that return at $2.11, $1.73 and $1.37 uh, will get you 5 bucks back. Not a bad way to start the week. Uh, we're going to talk uh, after 10 o'clock about uh, this effect that this war is having on Russia, uh, from Russia's point of view in terms of sporting participation. Not often we, we sort of factor that in, uh, but I think it's fair to say that it's important to look at, uh, and it's going to affect a few things around the world. We'll talk about that uh, very shortly. I can give you an update, a golf update, as I look at Jack Nicklaus, a very ageing Jack Nicklaus now on the screen. Uh, my word, we're all uh, getting a little bit older. Jack Nicklaus was 73 career PGA Tour wins back in his day. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I can tell you that uh, Daniel Berger... And Shane Lowry lead the latest PGA event. It's the Honda Classic being played. They're both at eight under, and they've just uh, finished the 11th hole. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated throughout the morning. About an hour away from first ball at uh, Christchurch uh, in the test match with New Zealand uh, trailing by 211 runs at the moment and still having to get five wickets. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that one for you. We can't give you live commentary. We will hopefully one day. Uh, be able to do that but at the moment we can't give you live commentary but we can give you live updates and this is almost as good as the same thing isn't it really Um, you know uh, happy 44th anniversary of your 21st birthday very good Richard thank you very much took me a while to work that out Uh, congratulations a couple of observations and I like these Uh, New Zealand women's cricket have issues with their bowling paps I I think you're right I don't think the batting's an issue I think they can get 260, 270 uh, but can they defend it uh, against the very good sides uh, I think that's a very valid point. I'll be noticing that trend as well, Richard. Thank you. And beating into, they gave up a lot of runs. If they can lighten that up, they will have a real chance or a better chance to progress in the World Cup. RTS needed to chop Sullivan round the legs but went for the high grab instead, which he used to great effect in league. Nice observation there, Richard. Uh, it's time for the news uh, at 10 o'clock and uh, thank you for exposing me, Karen. Good luck with this news. Good luck, Bill.
3: to behind the mic. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: 10-04 here on SENZ. Uh, and uh, I can tell you uh, at the moment, those golf stores uh, score still the same. Lowry and Berger, uh, both tied at eight under. Passing at the weekend of uh, John Landy. Uh, of course, uh, people are going way, way back. We'll remember John Landy as the guy who pursued that wonderful four-minute mark uh, of Sir Roger Bannister. Uh, Landy also became the governor of Victoria, fantastic Australian athlete, uh, passed away at the weekend at the age of 91. So, um, yep, we're at that age where I'm afraid uh, some of the greats are leaving us, uh, in the case of the rugby guys, uh, way too early. Uh, I can just uh, give you some information too about the Women's World Cup content. Uh, something, uh, we, we, we're giving live commentary actually, uh, live commentary here on SENZ of all the New Zealand games ball by ball. Okay, so it's all the New Zealand games will be live here on SENZ ball by ball. And the, the exposure for the Women's World uh, Cup, I continue to read these articles uh, and Logan on, uh, does women's sport get the right kind of exposure? Uh, are they being left behind? Um, do uh, women's rugby have to settle for this or that? Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, I think you'll find if you go back 12 months, even 24 months, the level of um, recognition of women, achievement in sport outside of things like the Olympics has grown immensely. Perhaps not at the rate they want to, but it's World Cups. It's things like World Cup years, particularly here at home, uh, which will aid that. And uh, as I say, we're we're acknowledging that here by uh, our coverage, ball by ball coverage.
0: Yeah, uh, you're totally right there with the women's coverage, Smithy. Uh, You would sort of think, you know, 12 to 24 months ago, you know, there's a lot of questions on how much coverage the women's sports across all different codes are getting. You know, perhaps it was just kind of seen as, you know, lip service, you know, just sort of box ticking as it were Uh, but now uh, it is a massive massive yef women's sport in new zealand and perhaps it is a bit of a turning point bit of a catalyst lots and lots of rugby uh, both on the 15th side and sevens on the calendar so i'm really hoping that they they can pick up that ball and run with it and really push the sport uh, around the world uh, and new zealand as well you know just trying to I guess, uh, encouraging the next generation of up sport, because that's a massive thing. You know We read an article the other day that 16-, um, 17-year-old uh, you know, teenage girls are starting to drop off, and you know there's massive effects there on uh, both mental and physical health.
4: Uh, just before we get into the subject about Russia here, uh, of course news uh, has come through over the weekend of a massive heart attack for uh, one of my old teammates and a, a, a cricketing icon, particularly in Australia, Rod Marsh. Uh, who has had a heart attack and is at the moment on life support in a hospital in Bundaberg of all places. But um, what an immensely popular man. Uh, most cricket lovers, uh, going back a bit, will remember the combination Court Marsh-Bold Lily, uh, probably the most uh, regular occurring dismissal in world cricket there for a long time. Uh, Bacchus Marsh, is uh, he's known to his mates uh, after the name of a town in Victoria, Uh, Yeah, he's battling. He really is battling. So uh, our best wishes go to him. Rod Marshall, uh, for those that don't uh, know too much about him, he was the guy standing alongside Brian McKechnie in all those famous shots about the underarm uh, delivery. Uh, He's the one with the gloves on, standing next to Brian McKechnie saying, no, 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 don't do it. Uh, And we'll always remember him uh, for that as well. So uh, Rod Marsh, we wish you all the best uh, from this side of the Tasman. Uh, in your recovery. Uh, but the subject I wanted to talk to you about, Logan, and you know quite a lot about uh, the ice, ice hockey side of this, but on a daily basis now, we're going to see sports snub Russia because of uh, their invasion of the Ukraine. Now, the Czech Republic have just joined Poland and Sweden and rejecting to play Russia in the 2022 World Cup qualifying next month in direct response to the invasion. Uh, the Czech uh, Soccer Association's executive committee said unanimously approve unanimously approved a decision that Czech uh, national team will not in any case play Russia. And this is just going to sp- uh, spiral, I think, uh, and it's, it's, it's escalated, um, and it's, it's come to a, an interesting uh, situation, particularly in a sport which concerns Russia greatly. I mean, if there's one sport where they are outlawed, blackballed, whatever you like to say, and, and aren't allowed to play, it'll be ice hockey. Uh, and now we get a, an interesting situation where uh, probably the best-known player... Uh, in the uh, NHL at the moment, as uh, Alexander Ovechkin has said. Uh, he's called out for change, and, and, and uh, someone else has come in and said over the top of him, uh, it's BS, it's absolute BS. What, what's your take on how this could affect the NHL?
0: Yeah, well, I think Ovechkin here, the Great eight, as uh, many hockey fans will know him by... He kind of is that leader uh, for for Russian sport, you know, of course he couldn't be there at the Winter Olympics, but they did pick up the gold medal there, Uh, you know, whether they're going to be called the Russian Olympic Committee, you know, Olympic athletes of Russia, whatever you call them, it is still Russia, uh, and we all know how we all feel about that, (laughs) but it, he has been criticised for being a bit too soft uh, he has famously been buddy buddy with Putin uh, often plays uh, alongside him when Putin has his um, little charity matches where of course everyone goes soft on him basically lets him score all the goals and it's just a real kind of you know pick me up for him let's put the president on a pedestal and look how great I am and it's it's garbage I mean could you imagine something like that happening in New Zealand uh, it's atrocious but yeah uh, when you speak of him coming under fire the great dominoes Dominik uh, Czech Republic uh, goalie, icon, uh, Hall of Famer, he was a guy I modelled my game on. He's come out firing on Twitter, Smith. he said, the NHL must immediately suspend contracts for all Russian players. Every athlete represents not only himself and his club, but also his country and its values and actions. That is a fact. If the NHL does not do so, it has indirect co-responsibility for the dead in Ukraine.
4: So uh, there are a number of Russian players, aren't they, uh, in the NHL? Uh, they're, they're pretty strong. I mean, they're the, go-to, they're the go-to imports, aren't they, the Russians, to be fair?
0: Yeah, if you don't have, I mean, obviously you've got the Canadians and, and the Americans, but outside of that, it is basically largely Russians, plus you've got the Finnish and the Swedish, but there is a lot of Russian players there. So to make a call like that, uh, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, whatever sport it might be, that is... That is huge. I just don't know. I don't see something like that happening. Okay, so um,
4: we've um, ruled them that that isn't that important there, but um, surely the the pressure's going to go on there. Don't you notice an amazing timing thing here? Uh, What if he'd have done this 10 days ago? Right smack bang in the middle of the Winter Olympics.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point, Smithy. Uh, I mean, it probably who knows who's to say i mean it is a massive thing for the for the russians this is the winter olympics you know i'd probably care about it more than the summer uh but now you've got the paralympic uh para winter olympics coming up is well, I'm not sure how big of a deal that is for them, but, you know, there is a lot of pressure on the IOC to do something, you know, they've been very lenient in the past, is now the time for them to, I don't know, pick their game up and actually be a bit harsh, but, you know, there's lots of calls around the world, uh, not just from Dominic Hosek, uh to put the ban on Russians uh, Germany's Athletin Duschland have set a complete ban of all Russian sports bodies athletes and officials as well as events in the country and uh, has to be a necessary response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So, I mean, this is just going to be this ongoing effect where we just see things like, obviously, the Formula One Grand Prix has been pulled from Russia, uh, and there's more to come. On the ice hockey side of things, they are scheduled to host the World Championship. Next year, uh, I know the governing body, the AAHF, they are holding crisis talks uh, later today uh, probably to decide whether to pull it from them or keep going because uh, same thing, you know, Belarus have been uh, in the news and in trouble as well and they're sort of aligned there with Putin uh, and, you know, they've been punished before and they've had tournaments taken away from them. So is this just the beginning of Russia being completely pulled away from the sporting world?
4: I think it is. I think it is. And as you say, the Russian Grand Prix was to take place in Sochi on September 25th. Now, it's a long time away, uh, but not in wartime, it isn't. And people don't forget very quickly. So I I think that's a a fair enough decision. And everything involving Russia and the sport thing now, they will not be able to participate. They won't be able to host. They will not uh, be able to play. Well, they'll have no one to play against. People would just uh, play them. I mean, FIFA... FIFA should just stand up right now and say you're banned from the Football World Cup. So it won't affect those qualifying games uh, that those other sides are involved in. They should just say you're out. The most powerful body in sport, uh, FIFA, uh, turns around and says you are banned. Um, they they then turn around and say you will be banned or you are banned from the next Olympics already. Uh, you're banned from this, you're banned from that, you're banned from everything. I mean, the world is against war. It is. Uh, I mean, it's it's just... It's just so wrong what they're doing in the eyes of most people uh, that they just I mean it doesn't affect us greatly, does it, when i talk about Russian participation don't see them being a massive factor in cricket ever, uh, but certainly in the, in the sevens now we're going to have a chat uh, very shortly uh, in the panel to uh, the likes of Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. Uh, they may well have an opinion on that, but certainly the sevens, uh, the women's sevens, the Russian men's Sevens teams, uh, have been worthy performers, but they can't play against them, surely.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, very, we feel very strongly about war here in New Zealand, and I imagine the Black Fern Sevens are not going to want to play Russia, and, and a lot of the other countries will feel the same way. This is the kind of uniting moment for the world. we you know, we're standing up. We've seen in the Premier League players coming out draped in the Ukrainian flag, showing their love and their support. Uh, We've seen, you know. Figures, you know, figureheads in Ukraine standing up and they're fighting for their own home country. They're not hiding away in their, their offices and behind their desks. They're standing up. They're fighting and trying to defend their homeland. Like this is, this is massive. And you know, we've got Russian tennis players writing no, you know, no war, please, no more war uh, on the camera lenses, and they've been vocal as well. So is that what it's going to take for? Because Putin loves his sports stars, right? Is this what it's going to take that? you know, they all turn against him or is he just, I don't know, this, he's got such a massive ego on him that he's not going to care and he's just going to do what he wants.
4: Oh, look, he's got ego. There's no doubt about that. Here's another one that's just coming up this morning. It's quite a valid text from Chris. Uh, we just talked about uh, Liverpool knocking over Chelsea and that uh, 11-10 penalty shootout. What about if Chelsea had a one? Who owns Chelsea? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's clearly owned by a Russian has been for a long period of time. So the FA, I imagine, and I think I might have read something over the weekend, are taking a stance on ownership of sports teams, etc. Uh, and uh, I'm not quite sure will be, uh, what will be the end result of that. And When you're starting to take um, ownership of teams, you're starting to decimate very powerful competitions, but if you're consistent with your views, maybe that has to uh, be a part. Do they, do they say to Chelsea, as long as you're owned by a Russian uh, who is clearly a backer of, of Putin, um, Abramovich, he's clearly uh, in, in league, been in league with Putin over the years, uh, do we say no more Chelsea, no, not while you're part of it, we don't want you here, we don't want your money involved in it uh, we want you out of the, uh, the the EPL
0: Yeah and going back to Ovechkin, the one thing he did say, while of course he wasn't really condemning Putin's actions, he said it's a hard situation right now for both sides and it, and it is because I'm, I imagine a lot of Russians probably aren't with Putin on this, they don't want to see the Ukraine to be invaded. I mean, who wants war? You know, it's just too much unnecessary bloodshed when we don't need it. You know, but Putin does what he does and that's just the way it is. But I mean, if people like Ovechkin and that can stand up for him properly, great. But right now, we're probably just not seeing enough of it yet. Uh, The hammer could still come down. Like I said, you mentioned uh, FIFA. Well, I mean, FIFA, you know, we sort of call them one of the most corrupt, you know, organizing bodies in the world. But if they can get their act together, maybe that gets everyone else in line. if FIFA did it, maybe the IOC would really stand up and finally do something. But there's just something got to be done about Russia because it's just too much. It's too much, Smithy. We don't need this in the world. And we're seeing it from the reaction, just how everyone feels about it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll leave that one alone now, but I, I don't think we'll be leaving it alone for too many days because I think every day we're going to see uh, the falling out of this, particularly in sport as well as uh, everything else in the world with trade sanctions uh, and uh, Russia just being ostracised from everything. Uh, he's arrogant enough no, to battle on, isn't he, uh, this fellow? He's a strange dude and a dangerous dude. Uh, so enough politics because we'll get uh, un- those texts coming in again saying that I'm. Uh, what <laughs> I, if we don't agree on this one, then... Um, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Here's a couple of texts that have uh, come in. Morning, Smithy. I got South Africa at 4.55 after the toss. Kiwis are not good favourites. Our batting is very brittle, especially with Young and Conway struggling at the moment. They do look like they've got Conway on toast. They really do. Uh, Billy, you've nailed that. Uh, they do look like they're not giving Conway an easy time to South Africans. Uh, hopefully I lose my money but can't see it. Billy thinking uh, he'll cash in in the pocket, but I not want to talk too loudly about it. Uh, Graham... Um, RTS missed the crucial tackle, which cost the Blues the game. Uh, this is the one O'Sullivan Sullivan that we're hearing about. And don't get me started on how often Rico was caught at, got caught out of position. Same old Blues forwards, work their butts off just for the backs to blow the same result year after year. Uh, sorry, Ken, you're watching a different game. And the team, to the rest, unhappy uh, to, the, to the rest of us. Absolutely right. Uh, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northland. Plenty more texts to read out. We've got a panel coming up though shortly. And we've got to get to that. It's ten nineteen here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ten twenty four here on SENZ, and the panel this morning: Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. Begin with you, Jamie. We've been talking uh, a little bit about sanctions and sport, and Russia being uh, ostracised uh, because of their invasion. Of the Ukraine, what what is your take on this? How would it affect us, if at all?
7: Yes. Good morning, Smithy, um, good morning, Brad, and oh, Happy birthday, Smithy. I uh, hope you have a great day. Um, yeah, it it may seem a, a little bit far away from New Zealand right now, but over the last sort of forty eight hours, we have seen the sporting world uh, react really strongly um, to this. A lot stronger than than I think a lot of people thought, um, given. A lot of sporting bodies sort of soft touch uh, with Russia. It's quite clear like right now that they've they've really crossed the line um, in terms of their their foreign policy. And like I said, it does seem far away from New Zealand. And you did mention it in that last segment there with Logan. Um, there is actually a, 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 a going to be a. A clash of New Zealand and Russia coming up soon if the Blackfin Sevens do go away. And this is a very high-profile team in New Zealand. You know, they're, they're one of the sporting stories of last year. And there is a very good chance that they will end up playing the Russian women's team in the World Sevens Series uh, tournaments um, that are coming up. And I'm not 100% sure whether Russia qualified for the Sevens World Cup later in the year, but that's another one, another showpiece event um, that they they may be involved with. So I think it's probably timely that, that the New Zealand rugby uh, will have to address this at some stage. They pro- probably should do it sooner rather than later because this is something that the players uh, will be will be asked about, and the Black Fern Sevens are known for speaking their mind. So, you know, it, it's it's that far-reaching um, all the way down here. And then uh, I guess to a lesser extent or maybe a little bit further away, the, the all Whites have a reasonably decent chance of qualifying for the FIFA World Cup, which is going to be massively impacted by this, this situation. So that's another thing that New Zealand football
4: probably have to have to think about. Mm, it is. Uh, it's quite concerning, but it's small bickies, really, Brad, when you talk about the context of war itself and uh, life and death, etc. But it's, it's one way, I guess, that sport can uh, put some pressure on Putin, who does who does love his sports does.
6: Absolutely, and isn't it funny that when when things like this happen all over the world, whether it be pandemic or the travesties that are happening in Europe at the moment, sport always becomes like a, a sort of centerpiece in everything. And look, we're seeing so much uh, protest coming from even Russian um, sports stars. Like I saw Andre Rublev um, came out the other day and was pretty strong. One of the UFC fighters yesterday as well was saying um, uh, more more peace, no war. And yeah, I just sport it sort of brings worlds together, right? And uh, I think when the when the pressure comes on, and, uh, you know, like FIFA's one for me, like what are they going to do with Russia and World Cup qualification and what have you? Like they could be the sort of first domino. If, if FIFA come out and say, look, we're scrubbing Russia from a football qualification, then that would be a massive, massive blow to, to Putin and to Russians because football is one of their number one sports. Mm,
4: absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll keep a finger on the pulse, the whole world will actually, on uh, everything that's affected there. by the sevens thing is, is very, very interesting, as you say, Jamie. they are uh, uh, When they speak, people listen, um, so we'll uh, hear about that. Mm. Uh, when people talk uh, about rugby at the moment in this country, uh, the initials RTS uh, are uh, very heavily involved. And of course, we saw them finally. We saw it. Uh, what did you make of it, Jamie, per, uh, performance number one?
7: Uh, well, I'd have to say for the first 79 minutes, I was incredibly impressed uh, by by RTS. It was just an absolute shame that that game ended uh, the way it did with him kind of playing a part in that. But I will say one thing about that missed tackle. He was definitely not alone uh, in, um, uh, in in causing that that miraculous comeback by the Hurricanes. It seemed like after the 70-minute mark, the, the Blues just turned into 15 turnstiles the field they didn't want to tackle at all they were letting the Hurricanes just run right through them and do whatever they wanted um but yeah back to back to RTS I mean he did everything right um when he got he got the ball often and early uh in, in the in the game the Blues looked fantastic for the first 15 minutes um I don't think they let the the Hurricanes touch the ball um interesting contrast with the game on Friday night which has kind of been overshadowed by by that one is that they're the very similar games. Um, the Highlanders did exactly the same thing. They were they were electric for the first fifteen minutes. Didn't let the Crusaders touch the ball at all. Um, and then the Blues and the Crusaders both put on a bit of a scoring blitz in the second half of both games. That should have that that you know did enough to win it. Um, the difference for me mainly was that like the Crusaders know how to win. They know how to close a game out from there, no matter who's on the field. Uh, and the Blues don't. Um, and, and we saw the difference between those two. And so for all the hype and all the talk around the Blues. Um, this year, uh, that that was the kind of key thing I took away from from that weekend. And to be honest, um, the irony of Roger tuivasa being involved in a Warriors-like capitulation in his very first ever game of um, of, of rugby union. I mean, uh, that's just uh, yeah, pretty sad, sadly ironic. Um, right there.
4: Brad, how did you see the weekend of uh, Super Rugby?
6: Well, let's be fair. The Warriors would never get themselves in a point, uh, to a point where they'd be 18 points up with, um, with 10 minutes to go, anyway. So I think it's a bit, <laughs> a bit harsh to say uh, it was a Warriors' like. situation. but um, yeah, look, um, I hope, I hope Rogers isn't judged on that. I mean, Jeff Wilson uh, bombed a trainer a 1994 Brisbane Cup test, and you know, like uh, the scars of that are still pretty deep for Goldie. So, uh, but look, I thought he was excellent. Um, he, he was Roger to a Vassek. Like uh, he, he looked. He looked superb. Uh, He stood up defensively for for 79 minutes of that game. Um, What I did notice was a tactical change by the Hurricanes in the last 15-20 minutes which was sort of Julian Savia sort of started playing a little bit wider and was actually away from Roger for the last sort of and and he had a massive impact on that last 15-20 minutes And, and before that you know, Roger was always there to meet him at the line, and I just noticed potentially there was a there was a tactical change there, which was huge, because um, I mean, you know, Julian Sabia got the Hurricanes back in that game with his um with his hard running, superb try at the end there. Um, you know, typical Blues capitulation. Uh, I still think they're they're, they're going to be a very very good side. I think the loss of Akira Iwani for eight weeks is huge. Uh, for that team, um, it means Hoskins Satudu is going to really have to step up. But yeah, um, I mean, good good weekend of rugby. Uh, the competition is starting to get to get a roll on. Um, good to get Minor Pacifica involved. Um, you know, hopefully everything, all the boxes get ticked this week, and we can uh, resume the competition as normal. What else I will say is, from what I've seen of the Australian teams, I think the New Zealand teams have nothing to fear uh, from from the Aussie teams this year.
4: No, nah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, it's news time here on SENZ. We'll be back uh, after that with Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. The
6: Opinions,
2: the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, we have with us this morning Brad Lewis and uh, Jamie Wall. And Jamie, um, I, I've got to say, I, I've never been a huge motor racing fan, but I tell you what, these uh, these two Scots are getting me heavily involved. And in, I'm talking about Dixon and McLaughlin. And this morning, there's a great story coming through. Scott McLaughlin in the first uh, race of his second year on the circuit, uh, he wins it. It's, it's an amazing story.
7: Yeah, unbelievable stuff for um, Scott McLaughlin. Obviously, he's a he's a guy who's had a lot of expectations on him for a while now, and to step up and deliver, uh, in, in that in in, in that class, um, you know, and and it's a one that you know we're obviously kind of familiar with because Scott Scott Dixon has been a part of it for so long now um, to have another Kiwi presence in there. It's pretty remarkable really um, for a country with, uh, you know, pretty, pretty decent motor sporting, sporting background. So it'd be awesome if, uh, you know, one sooner or later, we could have both of them, you know, in contention for a race, you know, a big race, like an Indy 500 or, or something like that. So it's great to see him, uh, you know competing and and not only competing but but succeeding over there and hopefully it's the start of a, like a long successful IndyCar career for scott mclaughlin because um scott dixon obviously is, is someone that's really led the charge there so maybe a bit of a torch passing moment for for, for both the scots
4: yeah it might well be uh the, the uh apprentice knocking over you know the the, the teacher there or, or the professional so Uh, He's got him. Uh, He's got him this morning. I'm not saying that's going to carry on throughout because he knows the circuit so damn well. Scott Dixon, you can bet your bottom dollar he's not going to handle over the best uh, Kiwi uh, tag, that uh, Redley Brad. But uh, here's the thing for me, he's adapted that quickly. uh, And it's only very, very early days, let's be fair. Uh, But you kind of sense, whereas Dixon's made his home uh, in IndyCar racing, on the evidence we've seen already from McLaughlin, he might not stop at uh, IndyCar. He might be destined for something a bit bigger.
6: Yeah, look. Um, potentially, Smithy. I mean, I wrote an article on Newsub uh, three, two or three years ago, saying we're in the midst of the golden era of New Zealand motorsport, and in particular, uh, I, I threw out that Scott Dixon is the greatest driver we've ever produced, uh, which got a lot of feedback. But you look at his statistics and who he's beaten, and and against Formula One caliber um, drivers, he's 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 right up there. And look, Scotty McLaughlin is just super talented, dominated supercars. Uh, for, for four years, won three championships in that time, uh, won a Bathurst, should have won another one uh, and you know had a chance to win a race last year when he was trailing Scotty Dixon um, a, a, on an oval track which they're racing at in a couple of weeks time came second in that, had a really good showing at the Indy 500, was in the top five with sort of 10 laps to go and then had, had to have a late pit stop and uh, watched the race in full this morning and it was an immaculate performance, uh, was getting chased down by the series champion at the end there and managed to hold him off uh, but I don't think we've seen the last of Scott Dixon this year for sure. I don't quite know if it's the, uh, the handing of the torch moment yet. Um, Dixon's in a fantastic team that has uh, a great pedigree of won three of the last four championships as a team and Chip Ganassi, so, uh, and, and Scotty's strength is generally oval racing as well, and plenty of those to come, so Scott Dixon, that is. So, uh, yeah, um, a, a great race this morning. Love Scotty Mack, um, and, and love Scott Dixon too. I think it's great to have two Kiwis in such a high-profile event uh, competing against each other.
4: Uh, Jamie, the cricket tester in Christchurch has uh, reached an intriguing stage. Uh, I think South Africa spoke to Simon Dallas this morning. We both sort of agreed South Africa with their noses on front basically basically because they have those runs on the board and there's that target already for New Zealand to go after, and generally what's going to be, I think, a relatively low-scoring second innings. But um, what, you, what have you made of it so far in this turnaround by South Africa and our reaction to it?
7: Yeah, well, intriguing is uh, definitely the right word um, to put on the next uh, couple of days, um, especially this morning, because uh, you know, that's going to have a massive bearing on the outcome of this test. Um, I'll, I'll stop short of issuing the South Africans an apology for uh, the amount of stick we gave them last week because, you know, really they've, they've, they've shown that they are far better than that, and they should have should have shown that in the first test. But I just love it how this test is everything the first one wasn't. You know, a good cricket test is one that has twists and turns and 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 can turn on a dime, like we saw with Colin de Gronholm's innings yesterday, which was you know an, an innings which had a twist and a turn in it in itself. Um, and, you know, whereas the first one was more or less settled within the first session. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think you mentioned that, you know, 250 is about what the bullet caps want to be chasing. It would, it would still be, you know, a fair effort um, for them to get there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be watching this one with, with great interest because uh, this is turning into a really memorable chess match. I
4: had a text come in, actually, uh, Brad from uh uh, an unnamed texter, but he's just said uh, Neil Wagner is an outstanding bowler, but I think his arrogance to keep bowling short to the tail enders when he's constantly getting smashed over the boundary uh, was a big thing. And this is when this Maharaj took about part in the first innings. Um, but this the short pitched approach it, it can often, uh, I guess, backfire. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's a it's a great story the Wagner won in that respect, but every now and then it's not it's not that good. So tactically this morning, I, I'm not quite sure what Tom Latham will fire at South Africa. What would you be expecting? Will they go uh, Southey and, and Henry and co, or will they go with Wagner right from the outset?
6: I think you've got to start with Southie and Henry, right? Like, what, How far is a new ball away? Another 30-odd overs, so we've still got a bit of time before yeah. When you think about that. I think Tom has got, what, 50 runs to play with this morning and then when you get to that sort of 260-270 chase mark, that's when you're sort of sort of making the top 10 chases in test cricket history territory and it becomes like a history making chase. Like I think I feel like a 260-265 chase is is doable uh, but Maharaj so showed with the ball that, I mean, he, he, had, he had a few of the batsmen in trouble. Um, I will say one thing, somebody really impressed with Darren Mitchell in this test, the way that he he, he played himself in and, and played a really nice innings and, and sort of uh, was a great hand for for, for Colin de Gronholm in the innings and uh, it's great to see that when Kane comes back, there's pressure on Will Young, there's pressure on Devin Conway, there's pressure on Henry Nichols, you know, to maintain their spots in the team. When you have got you know Daryl Mitchell sitting right there waiting for his spot as, a, as the permanent sort of number six, you know, if, um, with Colin de Gronholm as well. So that's the great thing is we're creating depth in this time when we're missing our best player.
4: Yeah, totally agree with you there. Uh, With that, uh, Jamie, next time we speak, I think uh, the World Cup for Women will have started uh, just to start on Friday. uh, And Mount Maunganui at the Bay Oval, so New Zealand up against the West Indies. They've had a pretty good build-up, but uh, this big year of uh, women's sport is about to unfold. Yeah, absolutely, and um, what a good way to uh,
7: roll into it with the White Ferns, you know, showing... (sighs) You know, probably not their favourites, but at least that they're going to be putting up a decent decent fight, which is more than you can say for where they were about a year ago. Um, because now you've got uh, you know, players in that team who are looking like they're peaking at the right time in terms of form, and and ones that when they go out to bat, you know you're going to get some good uh, good performances out of them. Talking obviously the like some Amelia Kerr and Susie Bates and Sophie Devine, you know, a mixture of uh, veterans and and young and youth there uh that we can rely on um you know it's some question marks over the bowling attack um but you know we are playing at home um that, that that's important obviously in, in a cricket context uh that uh, the pitches uh, will be ones that the white ferns are f- familiar with so we've got that in our favor uh and um yeah I'll be uh, I'll be predicting probably like I uh, hopefully a semi-final finish for them will be a would be Um, I guess uh, an achievement uh, in that regard,
4: but you know it's it's one day
7: cricket. Um, If you can get get on a good roll, uh, who knows what will happen?
4: Yep. Okay. I totally agree. I think semi final at worst. Semi final at worst. Top four in the world. Yeah, not too bad. uh, But semi final at worst. They've got to make the last four. Uh, thanks very much Jamie and to you uh, Brad as well for your thoughts this morning uh, Love it, it's particularly those ones uh, on the Russian side of things as well Well, I think there will be more to come in those in the days and weeks ahead 10.42 here on SENZ we'll be back shortly with some of your texts Great Kiwis building up other great Kiwis SENZ is a new team in
3: town Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa
4: this is mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is ten forty-seven here on SCNZ, and uh, already uh, we've uh, been getting texts in uh, regarding this matter. Thanks very much, uh, Chris and uh, Louis as well. Uh, Chelsea, uh, concerning Chelsea Abramovich, has given stewardship and the care to the trustees of a charitable foundation to look after uh, Chelsea at this point. Mm, be interested to see how far away he is sitting from that particular stewardship. Uh, because he's not that kind of bloke. Uh, and uh, an official stance uh, on the back of Chris Senius, uh, FIFA have released a statement on Russia. Uh, just uh, You've got details of that there, Logan.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty much what you expect. It's very disappointing. Uh, FIFA has not expelled Russia from the World Cup qualifying, but it remains an option, instead allowing the squad to play using the RFU acronym so already sounding like the olympics here russia also has been ordered to play home internationals on neutral grounds while fifa has banned the russian national anthem and flag from international games and as you can imagine the reaction to that on social media has already been quite swift and uh slamming it
4: yeah absolutely slamming it uh tony's come in and said hi panel the real test for scott mack will be on the oval next so uh yep of course of uh, interesting circuits haven't they uh, both the oval and the street type circuits as well. So, yeah, we'll, uh, keep an eye on Scott McLaughlin, but you cannot start better than that. Uh, Smithy, really looking forward to uh, being back on TV with the Women's World Cup. I am. I'm a bug of uh, a fan, a real fan between the equal pay between men's and women's uh, with cricket, etc. What are your thoughts? I said, yep, uh, I think it's heading in that direction. Uh, I think uh, every day they're considering it. It's a, an item on the agenda for players' associations, they'll keep pushing for it. Uh, and as we have seen in uh, the United States with the uh, United States women's team, uh, that uh, their football team is getting more than the men now, uh, uh, getting more than the men. I wonder if they'll turn around and the men will turn around and start asking for equal rights on the, on the, on the turnaround. But, uh, yeah, they are, are getting more. They're a very high-profile team. A look, at it, it's going to happen. Um, you know, we've seen it in tennis over the years. Tennis was the, perhaps the forerunner, wasn't it, uh, to equal pay except to equal prize money. Uh, so uh, it's going to happen, it'll happen. Uh, I think one of the l- slow ones will be uh, the PGA and the LPGA. There's so much distance between uh, the, the, the money that they pour it, pay for and their big events, so uh, I would be imagining there would be a long way catching up there, but uh, it'll happen. It'll happen happening year after year after year. There's no doubt about it, and uh, whilst those people in the past, those women's athletes in the past or women's team members in the past have missed out, uh, they can uh, rest easy on the fact that they were the forerunners, I suppose if that makes uh, any consolation to them uh, on on that regard. I've just seen a very concerning uh, headline go across the screen here in front of me. Rats to hit supermarket shelves next week. What do you make of that? Rats to hit supermarket shelves next week. Uh, And I hope, like hell, they're talking about the rapid antigen test. That's all I'm praying for. Uh, It's 10.50 here on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: The loveracing.nz
1: update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
4: (laughs) Taina Walters uh, with us again this week, which is fantastic. Taina, looking back at the weekend, uh, while I was uh, in an institution where a lot of people were watching very elegant performance with interest in the Chipping Norton, uh, and we're all on our feet clapping at the end of the race. What a strong performance! Uh, beautifully judged by j Mack in the end. Uh, super, super horse. We can't hear a damn thing. Oh, can't hear us. Okay, uh, Taylor Walters can't hear us at, at the moment. So uh, hopefully uh, Taylor will get back to us very shortly. But uh, yes, it was. Uh, watching very, very closely the performance of Very Elegant. She finished seventh in here. Uh, first race in this campaign, lined her up in the Chipping Norton in horrible conditions, which, uh, to be fair, uh, does suit uh, very elegant. She doesn't mind uh, a damp in the track and the wetter the better, almost. Uh, but she was strong, very, very powerful to the line. So uh, we were uh, very, very impressed with that. So hopefully we'll get uh, Taina back at some point, and we can have a discussion about that uh, and racing coming up uh, this week, as well as what happened in New Zealand over the weekend. There was some Pretty strong performances there, particularly uh, when the Tangerine Army went uh, sent down a real force, uh, including um, uh, Amalurina and, and, of course, Brando, to uh, attack the Group 1 feature down there in, in Wellington. Uh, in fact, at Otaki. <coughs> and uh, they were done by a uh, Okay, Taina, hopefully we can get uh, to you now and just a quick reflection for you or from you on Very Elegant.
5: Yeah, it feels amazing, you know, that's 11 group ones for the Mighty Mare and Jase McDonald, Chris Waller, they did what they do best, but it's great to see her back in the winners' circle doing what she does best.
4: In good conditions too, for her in particular, it was a tough day of racing uh, in Australia, they even looked at calling Ramwick off or postponing it, but I think in the end they made the right decision, it didn't, you know, the good, the, those that see today's conditions were to the fore and there was some pretty good racing.
5: Yeah, of course he was, you know, those are the conditions that these horses have to face but they're all in the same boat and uh, the horses that, that love it, uh, they definitely came to the fore but uh, it's great to see 61 Group 1s now for J Mack and that's why he's, he was last year's uh, World Jockey of the Year.
4: Uh, looking at uh, what happened on this side of the Tasmanian, you were covering that, that very closely on the Good Oil uh, Mascapone knocking over the uh, the more favoured horses from Tiako in the Group 1, uh, but they got their own way with Imperatrice, who looks very, very impressive going into uh, a Group 1 very shortly.
5: Yeah, she it in a hand, cancer really, she kicked away from them on the turn and uh, didn't look like she was under any pressure whatsoever, but it's good to see Winamur couldn't get his first Group 1, uh, talking about Mascapone of course and the had wait for age. Uh, he's a young kid on the rise, and he's had his ups and downs, but um, it's good to see him finally knocking off.
4: OK, thanks very much uh, for Tana. there. We got to him uh, belatedly. We've got to get to Paul Mawati in a hurry because there's so much on today, including betting on the cricket test, Paul. Uh, what are we favouring here? Two eleven, I think, the Kiwis at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, and the uh, South Africans are slight favourites uh, in that head-to-head market. Um where are we? Dollar eighty, the South Africans. Black Caps now up to two fifteen. The draw's at thirteen fifty. Right now you can live bet on the Honda Classic. Uh and the overnight leader, Daniel Berger, who had a five shot lead heading into the final round. He's given that all away. He's now one shot behind Shane Lowry, who is our favorite at the moment at two dollars and seven cents. Daniel Berger is at three dollars and ten. And Seth Stracker. $5.25, you could have backed him at $301 before the off.
4: Wow. 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 Amazing. Thanks very much Paul. Yes, I've got to say, I know a bloke uh, pretty closely who backed. Thing
3: gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Yeah, 11.03 here on SENZ, uh, our last hour as we head towards uh, Mark Stafford taking over at midday for the afternoon shift. Uh, the Tall Blacks have won their second game at the Asian World Cup qualifying tournament in Manila, beating the Philippines 88-63 to with Dion Prouster and Tom Vidanovich, both scoring 20 points. Uh, I was expected that would win, but uh, that's a conclusive uh, result of course they've still got to play India again they whopped India in the very first game they've got them again tonight so don't expect too much different from that coach Pero Perry Cameron very happy with the results a very big game any time you play the home team in their country it's always big but bigger here in the Philippines where the sport is very big There's a pretty good turnout in the crowd tonight which we love to see I felt both teams were in it I'm glad the way our team finished the game South Korea were also meant to be playing but they withdrew of course due to COVID cases so um, interesting um, for the Tall Blacks, they go through now to uh, more qualifying later in the year. Uh, so Ireland thumped Italy as well in the uh, 6 nations, but it's basically 5 nations really because Italy only played with 13 men they thrashed uh, them fifty. Uh, they were beaten 57-6 by France uh, last week in Italy uh, and now they were given uh, another hiding by Ireland, so all not well in Italian rugby and you just wonder how much progress they've actually made. I don't think they've had a win for quite some time. I think something like about 38 to 39 games now uh, since their uh, introduction. And they've really been pretty, pretty average. So Ireland, of course, we expect to be a real threat in the World Cup, continue to develop. And James Lowe scoring a couple of tries in that, of course. Leeds United have sacked their manager. This is sports news from overseas, of course. Um, Marcello Bielsa has uh, gone after losing 4-0 to Tottenham at home Um, probably a lot of uh, people would say that's the ultimate upset Uh, the defeat by Spurs was their fourth straight loss however conceded 17 goals in those matches leaving them 16th place two points just two points above the relegation zone Uh, and of course uh, that uh, Liverpool were not in action they were in the Carabao Cup final where they knocked over Chelsea on penalties at the weekend well in fact earlier this morning so Uh, uh, Liverpool are still uh, only just one. We've got a game in hand and they've, uh, they win that. They're only three points behind with about eight games to go. So uh, the EPL has got some serious interest in it uh, at both ends of the equation. Nadal, of course, R- Rafa Nadal, fresh from his uh, win at the Australian Open, one of the most popular sporting people in the world, uh, continued his good form with a 6-4, 6-4 triumph over Cameron Norrie of Britain the final round of the ATP event in Acapulco. Uh, he stormed through the draw without dropping a set to claim his third straight title, entering uh, the Australian Open to one he'd won st- uh, earlier before that tournament, which is uh, a tournament also leading up to the Australian Open. So he won 15 straight matches since returning from a foot issue that sidelined him for nearly six months last year. Uh, looked in fine form, fending off at a tournament. Nori Nori. He's a... A uh, bit of a camera, I think it's fair to say, in UK tennis. Uh, who, Nadal actually won th- his first Acapulco title, believe this or not, 17 years ago, uh, then took it again in 2013 and 20. years. now level with compatriot David Ferrer and Austria's Thomas Muster for the most titles in the Mexican tournament. And uh, just those uh, footballers football old again, Liverpool and Chelsea decided in a penalty shootout, 11-10, can you believe the tension involved in that? 11-10. And a penalty shootout. Now, we're going to get to Vossi very shortly, uh, but just a little later this morning because he's got commitments uh, with SEN in Sydney, Logan.
0: Uh that's right. It's basically just playing there with the, the time difference. He's coming right off here, uh hopping into a lift, uh jumping into his car and uh has a chat with us. So hopefully his phone line sounds a little better than it did last week. Uh massive weekend in the NRL, of course. We do have the uh Warriors fingers crossed playing tonight. You know, the Southeast Queensland have been battered a bit there with uh, floods and some terrible weather. Uh so I'm hoping people there in Queensland are staying safe. I hope the Warriors are staying safe. And I hope we get a game tonight.
4: Yeah. Are we going to take a break before Vossi or just uh, roll on through?
0: No. Uh, Brian is working hard on the line. We're getting him right now. Uh,
4: speaking okay.
0: of you know, the tennis there, Nadal winning, uh, great story there, of course. Uh, he, he's just one of the most beloved men in sport right now. And, I mean, I think with, obviously, you've got people like uh, Novak Djokovic sort of are stealing the headlines for all the wrong reasons. It's just really nice when you see good guys win, don't you think?
4: Yeah, uh, it is, uh, and, and he is popular. I mean, uh, and it's, uh, you know, alongside uh, the villainous acts of Zverev, uh, of course, um, uh, and uh, Kyrgios, uh, he's a guy that does show emotion, but he doesn't show emotion towards umpires. He doesn't show emotion towards uh, ball boys or ball girls or officials in that regard. Uh, he has frustration at his own performance, etc., from time to time, or bad luck with a neck cord or something. But you never see Nadal, and he's never had a, a reputation or attacking officials or blaming anyone else. Uh, and that is, I think, one of the, the reasons why he is so darn popular on the circuit. Plus, he's a winner, uh, an absolute out-and-out out winner. Uh, and uh, that cannot be denied. So uh, it's eleven nine oh nine here on SN. I see some activity in the background. We're still waiting uh, to get through to Vossi. Um, here's a, a text in from Jeff Ref. Uh, have a great birthday. You yes, I will. No doubt about that. Uh, meat pie, maybe, uh, be it, probably not. Uh, cricket test is on a knife edge of the black cap. The leaf is still there. It's going down to the wire. Uh, it's so exciting. I have to listen to it live, mate, on, on uh, another station. So, yeah, we'll be uh, not uh, doing that t- cricket test, but we, as we d- announced previously, we will be doing the Women's World Cup, and that promises to be very exciting, Jeff, so I hope you can stay with us at, at that, and uh, I can't wait for us to get live cricket as well. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff going on at the moment. Jim Tamuka, totally agree with you. No war. It's a terrible wrong. It is a terrible wrong. It's the ultimate, I think. The ultimate deserves the ultimate punishment. When you go to war, when you go to war with someone, when you incite war, when you invade their country, you have no comeback anywhere else in the world for mine. Not this day and age. You do not have any, any comeback at all. So the sooner Russia gets buffed out of all sport, out of everything involved, um, even the arrogance of Putin might finally wake up and realise uh, that there will be ramifications that even he can't have a say over. Anyway, uh, that's my uh, podium for the, this morning, and uh, it's time to talk some uh, some decent stuff, actually, some sport with uh, Andrew Voss uh, coming uh, from uh, straight out of his show on Australia, SEN Sydney, of course, the breakfast host, with Brandy Alexander, uh, a busy morning for you, I imagine uh, looking back at NRL action over the weekend between the two of you, so uh, we won't let you stop, uh, we'll talk about it here as well, uh, the first uh, the game, of course, of interest to us uh, was postponed due to wild weather. Uh, what about the prospects for it going ahead uh, tonight, I believe?
8: Yeah, good morning, Judy. All all to our listeners, yeah, look, the the weather hasn't got any better up in uh, southeast Queensland and starting to move south. In fact, they're talking about floods up in the northern parts of New South Wales. If our listeners know the uh, town of Lismore, they're talking about their worst ever uh, flood levels approaching 14 metres when their previous biggest were under 13 metres, and that's going back to the the 1950s, but um, as for the trial match, they will be meeting. Now let me synchronise watches in just under two hours' time. Stadiums Queensland will get together, but I had a word with a Titans official this morning uh, who said, "Look, it's not looking good," and and look, I don't think there could be a rescheduling given um, the weather forecast remains poor. Um, you talk about flood levels unprecedented in some areas and, and look on, on on just a um you know, a family note away from football, I, I don't know whether the players would want to be away from their their partners or whoever in their living arrangements at the moment because so many people are affected by floodwater, so it's not as if you could just, you know, go off to work as normal and footballers would be down on the gold case would be worried about getting home, getting back. So, um I, I personally don't think it'll go ahead but we'll have confirmation in the next couple of hours.
4: OK, let's uh, look at uh, the possibilities. should that game go ahead and it doesn't sound like it will but uh, anyway, early in the season. Uh, now it is reality that uh, it's not far away which means the reality is Sean Johnson re- rejoins the Warriors um, in that, uh, those halves positions. So uh, what are you expecting uh, from Sean Johnson uh, let's be fair, towards the tail of his career?
8: Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Still been one of my favourite players to call when he's been on. He's just, you know, tremendous entertainment, you know. Incredible talent there 's no doubt about that, but it, he, he has to go back as the mature leader doesn 't he even if he 's not the captain and he 's not, but he does have to be a leader, um, so whatever role he plays this, year he has to be more than just on the field, and I think he 's up to it I think he 's up to it he 's probably at a stage of his life now he's he 's a father as well. I mean things change from being the, you know the kid who came in back in two thousand and eleven and by what by sixteenth game he was playing in a grand final, so you know there 's a lot he brings a lot to the table, but I suppose the fans want the on-field action the most. And will they have the Sean Johnson from his best days? Possibly not, but I still think it's it's more a plus than a minus Sean Johnson returning to the Warriors. Um, Depth is a great thing. It's it's great to have Katie Nikarima, Chanel Harris, David, just all you know, competing for places, um, and then throwing to the mix Ash Taylor looking for a contract. You know, that's a healthy position to be in. So, I think the Warriors are in decent shape, but we're not going to know if they're in absolutely great shape until we're five or six rounds into the season, I suppose.
4: Yep, absolutely right. I, I see Latrell Mitchell got us. Suspension reduced, citing the All-Star fixture as uh, one that should be counted towards the games he misses out on.
8: <laughs> I don't get it. I can't explain that one. Bit, you know, it, To me, that's just opening up a can of whoop-ass by the league because you know, every other club... I mean, if, basically, you know, on the All-Star selection, when a player like Shaq Mitchell will play, who's never played an NRL game, played in that game, that means that anyone who was eligible for either side, if they were under suspension, could say, well, I was I was likely to be picked. If they're picking players that have never played first grade to play in the squad, uh, I, I'm saying you could wipe off a game suspension. But it can't just be Mitchell. You can't say he's the only certainty. Um, so you know, I, I don't know why the league did it. I really don't. Um, let Mitchell play a trial match if you want, but uh, you can't be wiping suspension off playing those sorts of matches when not everyone is eligible for them.
4: Uh, let's look at uh, matches that were played uh, over the weekend. Uh, the Dragons uh, breaking their charity shield drought over South Sydney. Uh, Zach Lomax looking pretty strong for the Dragons. Oh, a lot
8: of the young Dragons are looking very strong. Smithy, I actually drove out to Mudgee to call that game. It's about a four-hour drive and enjoyed the trip. But uh, you know, the Dragons have got... Uh, there's another one with Depth. You go through their squad, you can put about 30 names down on a piece of paper, and they've all, all of that 30 have had a taste of first grade. So they're a classic case of true adversity. Maybe young players got their chance in first grade ahead of time, but now you get the reward of that. So, you know, there's Dragons players that were called into first grade last year when the side was going like a um uh, but now have got that first grade experience and are, are better for it. And there's no doubt they're talents. Um, you need to know these names. Tyrell Sloan at fullback. Um, the the young fella Ramon Teletao Ramon at, at five eight, terrific talents. Um, Zach Lomax is only twenty two out in the centres. I, I like the mix. I really do like the mix of young up and comers and some hardheads in the side or experienced players that perhaps aren't at the best you know point of their career, but I think they have a bit to offer. I think the Dragons big improvers this year.
4: Okay. Uh, what about the Cowboys then? They were too strong for the Broncos. Uh they've got some brilliance in their ranks as well, Todd mate Todd Payton's men uh, shaping up okay in your eyes? Uh Tabuai
8: Fido at fullback is as exciting as any young player in the game, and he's already played Origin. So we know that. Uh I'm not I'm not as confident of the Cowboys improving as I am of the Dragons. Um but you know, it's it's really up to it's really, they have superstars. Obviously, Tamarolo, Valentine Holmes, if they can play at 9 out of 10 level every week, then obviously that makes, yeah, you know, the Cowboys are going to be in good position. But I, I'm not totally convinced about the Haas recruitment. I know Chad Townsend did well the other night. Tom Dearden's there. He's got Drinkwater in the mix still. Um, I don't have the Cowboys in my top eight this year.
4: Okay, the Cowboys not in your top eight. How about the Eels, Monster, the Panthers, uh, on their turf, 36-0. Uh, man, that is, uh, that. that's, uh, I mean, you don't look at a lot of the scoreline in terms of uh, pre-season games as such, but uh, that does take note, doesn't it, 36-0? Oh, hard
8: to ignore, isn't it? It's hard, hard to ignore a scoreline yeah. like that against yeah. the defending premiers and the defending premiers picking, you know, their, their stars as well. One big star didn't play for Penrith, of course, and that's Nathan Cleary, and he's the driver of the bus. But surely Penrith isn't a side that relies so heavily on Cleary that when he's not there, they could fall apart to the tune of 36-0. Yes, it's a trial. And to the Parramatta Reels fans listening right now, celebrate it to a point. But know that if you put up a competition table today, Parramatta and Penrith are both still on zero points. So you haven't actually got anything in the bank. I have seen it go wrong before. Warriors fans might remember some years back... I sort of remember them thrashing the Broncos in a preseason trial and then season got underway and Brisbane came out and won round one and the Warriors lost. I mean, it, it, I'd rather win 36-0 than lose 36-0, but you've just got yeah, to just, just hold the champagne. I wouldn't be bringing up the, the top-shelf champagne just yet if I'm a Parramatta fan. Good signs, but don't get carried away. History tells us do not get carried away.
4: So, looking at the rosters for this year, and looking at a little bit of early season form as such, have you got a bolter, uh, Bossy? Have you got a you got got a side that really is going to demand more respects than uh, perhaps uh, last time round?
8: Oh, I think I think the Dragons is that side personally, Smithy. I mean, they had barbecue gate last year, so from the time they had the the barbecue at the Elf, they never won another game. I, I think they um, are better than what the betting prices suggest in terms of of making the top eight. I think they're going to be thereabouts. But then again, I think there'll be a lot of teams sort of mid-table and challenging. Um, So start to the season, very good, because teams under pressure looking to improve, like the Bulldogs, like the Broncos, if they start the season bad again, pressure will build up very quickly. Whereas sides looking to improve, if they start the season well, suddenly they train a bit harder, there's a spring in their step. Confidence breeds confidence. So... Uh, I'm intrigued by the start to this season. I think we could have some upsets very early in the season. It may happen very first week of the season. Tigers will take on an understrength Melbourne. That'll turn the world upside down if the Tigers could knock over Melbourne in the first round. They've never been beaten first round under coach Craig Bellamy. So, tough one for tipsters going forward. Have we learned a bit out of the trials? Yes, we have. Am I any smarter in terms of how the season's going to unfold? No, I'm not. Um, so, um, yeah, just bring it on on Thursday week and sit back and do your best and your super coach and your tipping Thompson and all the rest.
4: Well, I've got to say, uh, from an outsider looking in, has the game ever been stronger with uh, fullbacks? Uh, if you look at the comp?
8: Oh wow, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fair statement. Look, we've we've had some beauties, obviously, but it's a it's a go to position now, and, and because of um, and and I credit players like Billy Slater for the evolution of the fullback, the way that he played. Your fullback now challenges for the most skillful player on the field. The fullback doesn't just catch bombs and kick returns. I mean, he's a playmaker as well. So you know, and we're seeing that. You know, all the young fullbacks now are developing and coming into the competition with a passing game as well. So that that just makes for better football, makes for better product. And um, we see it right across the board. And that young kid, Sloane, at the Dragons. Selwyn Cobbo is going to be a terrific player at Brisbane. You've seen Reese Walsh at the Warriors. Yeah, our fullbacks are superstars now um, and can become superstars in a very short space of time.
4: Uh, we've got a text in this morning, and I've got a, I have to confess that I watched a little bit of... Uh, the Telstra Women's Premiership yesterday, two or three really competitive games. Quite a lot of quality in there. The the Eels hitting a drop quick to beat the Knights 13-12. I think we're uh, hoping like hell we could get a New Zealand team in there at some point, uh, COVID-free, et cetera, Vossi. But uh, gosh, there was some good quality in that. some of that rugby league.
8: There was, um, and, but, but look, and a lot of people are saying, oh, why don't all clubs have teams and all that sort of thing? Look, those who are close to the game, and Dean Witters I had a good chat with last week, now Dean's a former first grader, he coaches the Parramatta, uh, women's side who won yesterday with that field goal 13-12, um, and he's previously coached the South Sydney women's side, which play the, the week-to-week competition. He said, no, they've got it right. they you know, they've gone to six, the depth of talent, it would be no, It would be no benefit jumping ahead to a 10-, 12-team competition, even 16, you know, every club represented. There just isn't the depth. There isn't the quality of player to sustain that competition. So they've got it right with a six. I'd like to see them play a season a little longer than what they're playing, Smitty. You know, they're only playing Mm. for seven weeks. They will have another season later in the year. This is the 2021 season you're watching now, and they'll have another season at the end, but maybe we could have a a two-round format where everyone plays each other twice. You know, that that should probably be a consideration. Um, but yesterday was a, a huge step forward for the women's game. Big television audience, triple header. You know, they they stood alone. It was not... They weren't playing curtain raises for the men. They had set a stage yesterday, and, and boy, they'd be happy with the way they performed.
4: Yep, absolutely. Vossi, uh, thanks very much for doubling up straight again after your show. Uh, have a great week, mate, and we look forward to it starting proper very shortly. Thank you. Yeah. Well do, Smoothie. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah, cheers, Vossie uh, there, of course, uh, out of SEN's uh, breakfast show in Sydney, along with Greg Alexander, uh, and uh, straight out of there into our show, which we're eternally grateful for. Uh, there's 11.23 here on SENZ. Yes, the cricket has started in Christchurch, uh, and South Africa uh, have uh, started pretty well, actually. They're fifty-two for 5 now, so that lead is inching away from New Zealand. It's 223. They need to strike very quickly and quite often. 11. 23 here on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Uh, Mulder is 24 and Farin is 24, both 24 not out. South Africa are progress progressed through to 156 for 5. They lead now 227. I can also give you an update on the PGA going into the last round of the Honda Classic. Uh, Lowry and Straker are both tied at nine under, playing the last. With Berger at eight under, playing the last, and it is fair buckling down as a rainstorm descends upon the course there in the Honda Classic. Uh, yes, uh, we're looking at the phone line. Thank you very much. Do you think we should all chip in and get Vossie a better quality phone? She's always a crackly interview. Uh, we're doing, we're working on that actually. I think I don't know where he was doing it from—a car or yeah, actually was sounded out a bit out of breath, Vossie, this morning. He might have been doing it on the jog. Uh, which is uh, a cool thing as well. So um, yeah, we'll uh, have a lot, a lot to talk about already this morning. But the good news is, uh, on the motor racing, uh, we've got Scott McLaughlin uh, winning that first of those IndyCar races in this particular season, his maiden victory, sensational over there in Florida. Uh, we'll be talking to Greg Murphy about that at 11:40. Uh, in the meantime, for you, of course, is uh, an opportunity to be a winner here on this uh, Monday, the 28th of February significant one for some Uh, can you stump Smithy uh, in terms of winning the uh, 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TAB and the sleep drops so uh, get on the phone now 0800 150 811 Ian Smith's had a good match here
2: stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job
0: Top class and it's a big day for the big man Ian Smith. Happy birthday, I'm so glad I can finally say that. Uh, everyone else has had their little chip in there including Izzy Dag. Uh, but it is time for Stump by Smithy. Always a highlight here in the mornings on SCNZ. If you're trying to get through still, keep trying. Brian has taken the calls. Uh, we do have one person in line already uh, where you can win $50 worth of TAB vouchers and some sleep drops. Daytime Revive, they are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us now on the line is Jade from Hamilton. How are you doing, Jade?
7: Yeah, good, mate. Good and yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Uh, How's H-Town treating you? I went to uni there. Love the place.
9: It's not too bad, mate. It it, it, it suits our needs, so we're all right, eh?
0: Nice, mate. Well, we have three sporting categories for you to choose from today. Uh, If you can answer all three questions correctly, then you can win it all. Uh, But if you get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a stumping chance. Now, today's topics are skateboarding, boxing, and golf. Take your pick. We'll go
9: skateboarding.
0: Oh, okay, I like this. Uh, I brought this up uh, with Brian, our panel ops, and he thought that might sit there on the shelf for a while, but here we go. Are you ready? Yep. All right, cue the music. Let's go. Oh, I can feel the tension already. All right, Jade. The New York Times likened this moment in history as skateboarding's equivalent to breaking the four-minute mile barrier who was the first skateboarder to land the 900? Tony Hawk. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Tony Hawk, the absolute legend in skateboarding that he is. How are you feeling about this category, Smithy? I'm not confident. It's the only name I know. You've used
4: up your Tony Hawk question, so I'm done and dusted. that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, question two. Here we go. The sport of skateboarding made its Olympic debut at the Tokyo Olympics last year. Which country won the inaugural gold medal in the men's park event?
7: Uh, was it Japanese?
5: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Over to you, Smithy.
4: I can only say the United States of America. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field
0: it was actually the Aussies Keegan Palmer winning that uh, inaugural gold medal there in the men's park event Uh, so you're still alive Jade last question this one is a bit of a doozy but I was looking at my skateboarding facts I thought it was quite cool which Scandinavian country banned skateboarding between 1978 and 1989 due to the number of injuries caused by the sport Uh,
2: Scandinavian country
0: yep So there's not too many. Oh,
2: who's the company that makes all the
5: snow on us? Finland. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Finland's off the board. Your chance, Smithy, for a birthday stumping. Okay, uh, I can only say, well, I could
4: say Norway, I could say Sweden, um, and I. uh, No, I'll say Norway. Did you say Norway? No, Norway? Just a
3: couple of chips down the wicket, oh, right in yeah. the slot, and it goes.
0: Happy birthday, Smithy. That's right. Norway banned skateboarding between 1978 and 1989 due to the amount of injuries. Uh, can't blame them, to be fair. I would be the same. I, I, could, have said, uh, I could have said Denmark as
4: well. Hey, thanks very much, uh, Jade. Thanks so much for calling in, man. I'm sorry I, I tipped you out on the last one, but uh, stay uh, stay ringing the number, and you'll get luckier, I'm sure, next time around skateboarding. Who would have thought I'd get no,
7: skateboarding? Sorry, no worries, and, uh, happy
4: birthday to you, mate. Uh, cheers, Jade, appreciate it. Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have damn well thought I'd get home on skateboarding? Uh, it's 11.37 <laughs> here on SENZ. When we come back, uh, we shall have the legendary Greg Murphy talking about a bloke who's heading to that status already, um, Scott McLaughlin, very shortly here on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
4: Well, fantastic news of sporting in terms of uh, New Zealand racing, uh, motor racing. It's such a great result. We're so used to uh, Scott uh, Dixon dominating the scene over there. So many times he's won uh, the overall title. Uh, And Scott McLaughlin, of course, Rookie of the Year in his first effort. Unbelievable, but he's gone so much better this morning. In fact, he's uh, had his maiden victory uh, at St. Petersburg of Florida, the Grand Prix over there. Uh, to talk to us very quickly about it is uh, Greg Murphy. I'm sure he'll do more on his show on SN, uh, Z at some point, race control. But uh, what about this result? Uh, what about this first up in the new season? Good morning, Greg.
9: Oh, G'day, Smitty. Uh, what, a, what an amazing thing to start uh, the IndyCar season with another Kiwi winning, but not the one that we've become so used to. Another Scott Scott McLaughlin starting from pole position. His first pole position on Saturday, Florida time um, at uh, the Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg. It was just phenomenal. I mean, he he struggled last year with qualifying big time. Smithy, it was really a bit of the Achilles' heel. He showed great race speed uh, aboard his Penske uh, entered uh, IndyCar car, but couldn't quite get the qualifying sorted. And then he nailed that, and then to start from pole, and then uh, basically. Didn't walk away with it, but just showed great control all day, great strategy, drove beautifully, and um, really at the end of it, mate, it was just tale. Incredible finish uh, to see him uh, cross the line there and grab his first win.
4: Unbelievable. Uh, Scott Dixon held the lead on a few occasions without the race, uh, throughout the race, but uh, in the end, um, he finished, I think, seventh or eighth, so uh, not such a great result for him.
9: Yeah, he didn't, didn't qualify. We well, qualified okay. Um, I think he ended up starting seventh. On the grid, so a pretty good, pretty good uh, result there for him. Um, I think uh, the Chip Canassi team didn't come out the gate there in practice all that well, so they worked very hard. Um, Alex Palou, uh, Scott, uh, Scott Dixon's teammate, did finish second, right behind. He's the defending champion, right behind Scott McLaughlin. So they worked over the weekend to improve their cars, whereas the Penske guys were well, particularly Scott and Will Power uh, teammates were very fast, pretty much all the way through, right from the start. Of the weekend and uh, Scott uh, headed uh, practice session two I think it was um, before going into qualifying so they were very quick a weekend Scott Dixon uh, he ended up there I think uh, 7th or 8th in the end in the the points Uh, so that's a pretty good start for him I don't think he'd be too too disappointed or too concerned but uh, to have two Kiwis uh, out there mate doing the job as you said Scott Dixon did lead for a while uh, on a differing strategy he had uh, a three stop strategy versus uh, McLaughlin's winning two stop strategy so yeah, just, I mean, for Kiwis, Kiwi motorsport fans, Kiwi sports fans as a whole, I mean, it is uh, it is phenomenal to see this young guy uh, doing the job, you know, transitioning, as we know, was rookie last year, but transitioning from driving supercars and, and uh, touring cars to, to now winning in uh, IndyCar, uh, maybe the most competitive uh, single-seater category in the world.
4: Had a text come in earlier, it's just saying that's a great result, uh, but the real test will become on the oval circuit. Do you concur with that?
9: Well, no, I don't actually. I don't concur at all. He uh, proved last year he was um, uh, pretty comfortable on the on the ovals. Remember, uh, he got his first podium at Texas, um, got a second to Scott Dixon, so two Kiwis first and second. Uh, so he already had a podium on the ovals and looked pretty pretty comfortable. Was very fast at uh, the Indy Five Hundred last year. So no, the uh, the ovals weren't really his problem. It was it was actually the road courses and the street courses. Uh, getting those tyres um, up, you know, working properly. The, they have a, two tyres, two different tyres in IndyCar. They have the, the primary tyre, then the, then the alternate tyre. So, um, and that was a problem for Scott last year, getting on top of those and really sort of hindered his racing because he was starting so much further back. So, you know, it looks like he's done the, the hard work uh, in the off-season, spent plenty of time on the sim, uh, working with a new engineer as well. And, um, and, and things are starting to pay off straight away. So uh, he is a workaholic. He definitely doesn't like to, uh, not to be the best at something and, you know, put the, put the hard yards in in the off-season to, to rectify some of those issues, and, and so far it looks like he's managed to do that.
4: OK, let's uh, look at uh, supercars, uh, Murph, because uh, I'm led to believe they start very shortly, as, as quickly as this weekend. Is that correct? Who should we be looking for this year?
9: Yeah, this weekend, uh, it's really that kicks off. We're looking forward to the Ripco Coast Supercars Championship getting underway. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a, another monstrous season, absolutely. There's no no doubt about it. So they're kicking off at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, it was supposed to be Newcastle on the streets at Newcastle, but uh, with the COVID situation and, and the difficulties and the cost around building a street circuit, it was uh, decided that um, they would postpone that, that thinking and um, – uh, look to go somewhere permanent and a little bit easier to set up um, uh, for the beginning of the championship, just to make sure that it all did happen. So they're going to Sydney Motorsport Park, a couple of big 300k races this weekend to kick things off. So it's going to be uh, pretty tough on the drivers, but and lots of changes as we know. But you know, I think uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, um, defending champion, uh, will be looking good, albeit there's lots of changes that have happened in his race team. He's got a new engineer, he's got a new teammate. And young Brock Feeney, 19 years old, 18 years old, replacing Jamie Wincup, who uh, has taken up the team principal management role. Uh, So some changes there, which will be interesting to watch. He's going to be good. Um, Anton Di Pasquale at DJR, he'll be looking to sort of uh, uh, take up where he left off at Sydney Motorsport Park. He was very quick there last year, but prior to going to Bathurst. So um, that's going to be interesting to watch. But Erebus will be interesting to watch. Two young guys there, uh, Will Brown, Brody Kostecki, uh, really showed some great form um, towards the end of last year as well. Uh, and lots of other changes going on amongst uh, the, um, the the teams as well. Auckland Andretti United. Chas Mostert won the Bathurst 1000 in December late last year, and he's got a new teammate, Nick Perkat, as well. So, you know, they, they are very strong and looking to capitalise on, on a great finish to 2021. So, mate, lots to talk about in supercars. Um, it will be a, a great season. I think it's going to be very, very close.
4: Okay, you've got uh, race control back on the airwaves, of course. Uh, what what, uh, what can we expect later in the week?
9: Yeah, race control is back on. Uh, we'll be uh, trying to hook up with uh, Scott McLaughlin in the next day or so. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll be pretty focused to get back on with the job really quickly and won't be celebrating for too long, unfortunately. So um, we'll uh, look to try and get him on the show and get uh, you know reaction from him after... After that, just memorable and um, yeah, amazing win only a few hours ago. So uh, we'll be grabbing him, hopefully, and there'll be some other supercar stuff going on. So I uh, haven't got all our show worked out just yet, being that it's going to be Thursday, but um, I'm sure we'll uh, have an action-packed one.
4: Good on you. Okay, Murph, uh, thanks for calling in or letting us call you in the, la- the last minute. We just had to get some definitive word on this performance Absolutely. by Scott McLaughlin, and, and you've given us that. Thanks, so Thanks very much for that, mate. Cheers. Uh, Greg Murphy there with us, folks, uh, about that miraculous win from uh, Scott McLaughlin and in the IndyCar, first race up this season in Florida this morning. Uh, really good news at the moment for uh, South Africa. Uh, they are I won't say they're plundering New Zealand, but they haven't got uh, lost a wicket this morning. 184 for five, so the lead that was 211 overnight, uh, well, they are getting on with it, aren't they? It's now 255. This test match is getting away from New Zealand at a quick, uh, pretty quick uh, rate of knots at the moment. Uh, probability, win probability, they're saying South Africa 61%, New Zealand 27%, the draw 12%. i am not sure if the markets re- reflect on that at all, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and then the PGA event, the Honda Classic, uh, Shane Lowry now has a putt for Birdie, uh, and if he gets that, uh, that will force a payoff pay- with Sepp Stracker, who uh, eagled the last and got a 10-under. Uh, honestly, uh, the last two holes have been played in torrential rain and I don't think any of the golfers have been that happy about having to partake with that. Uh, It's just been too tough for them. uh, Wiping grips, stomping around their puddles on the green on the last as well, so almost quite bizarre scenes. Lowry has missed the putt. He will finish at 9-under, so Stracker. Stracker is the winner of the Honda Classic in the PGA uh, event this time around. So uh, 11.51 here on SENZ, staffy next before midday.